the number one excuse that they say causes the most divorces. Somebody tell me what you think it is. Money? Yeah. I've always heard money, sex, the whole thing with sex. But I got educated this week by Pastor Brian Moore. The number one cause of divorce, period, selfishness. That's it. That's it. God will even speak to a 70-year-old man. <laughs> that was good. But there's so much truth in that. Amen? Do we not have most of our problems in our lives, whether it's at home, at work, wherever we are, dealing with that selfish nature? Oh, my goodness. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. Starting with verse 23, we talked about the ladies last week. And ladies, if you weren't here, you need to listen online. I mean, you missed it. The ladies were all slain in the spirit. It was an outpouring of God. <laughs> I just heard Phil Kimmer said, we wish. You can punch him, Anna. But... But you need to listen, because it really is a very encouraging message about what submissiveness really is and what God expects out of you. But we're going to look at the men. Let's read verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Oh, that was in that verse. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Jesus, we just pray for wisdom this morning, insight. Lord, help us not only to be hearers of your word, we want to be doers. We want it to produce fruit in our lives, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, God, to open up the word of God in America. We continue to pray for this nation, and we say, God, get us back to where you want us. And we say, Lord, whatever it takes, but open our hearts and minds this morning to make a difference this coming week in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let me just throw some things at you. Men are three times more likely to commit suicide than women. Wow. What's that say about where we are in this nation? Men are three times more apt to commit suicide. And I really believe that's why we see a lot of men struggling, not only with their identity in Christ, but having joy evade them. Because they're always having to perform, always having to keep up the image. And Hollywood has done its best to bring down a man, to make fun of men. And the world loves that because they want to control how we think and what we do. But as a married couple who loves Jesus, who wants the best for their family, you need to be a team. Everybody say team. You know, I always uh, mention that Church Alive, we're team alive. We're together in this to do what God wants us to do. But as a married couple, you're a team. 
Can I tell you, the devil's doing everything to break up those teams right now, to discourage them, to cause them to get angry, to get defensive. Man, he's working overtime right now, working overtime about that. And when I was about 17, I, I bought a motorcycle, a Kawasaki, and Shaloi's dad was an oral surgeon. He did a lot of surgeries on jaws and all this stuff, and when he saw me come cruising in up his drive and I didn't have a helmet on and he said, young man, my daughter will never ride on that bike. I said, yes, sir. He said, I have put too many faces together, too many bones. I've seen the devastation. And if I ever see you without a helmet on again, I'm like, you don't have to say anymore. Because he was about six foot two, about 240 pounds. He was a gorilla of a man. But I've had a motorcycle off and on all those years. And I enjoy riding. I've taken my daughters on motorcycle rides. I've taken my wife. And one of the things that I've always told her is I said, you know, when we're going straight, and we're going to, it's just so much easier to ride a bike when you're going straight. And I said, but babe, when we get to turns, when things come in life and they cause you to go right or left and you didn't expect it, you've got to lean with me on this bike. Because if you don't lean with me on this bike, we're going to be in trouble. We could have an accident. We could be devastated. And one time she was looking at something, and she went the other way, and I went, no, no, lean this way. Oh, I'm like, because whenever I had her or anybody on the bike, my focus was so much on keeping them safe. I did not enjoy the ride. Any bike rider understands when you've got somebody precious with you, And I tell you that because she's learned to lean with me. But in marriage, there are times when turns come, and we may not be in total agreement, but we've got to turn together. Are you getting that this morning? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Man, I don't even like that scripture. Because I know what that means. That is instant death to my selfish nature. And when we were first married, I determined I was going to train her the way she needed to be trained. How'd that work out? That was misery. That was misery. About four, five years into the marriage, I remember her looking at me, and she said, you are not my father. We were having some intense fellowship. And I said, well, I never said my name was Ralph. And the devil was doing his best to keep us at one another. You see, because I don't like conflict. I'm not a conflict type guy. And Shaloy wants to solve things now. And I have, I have had a temper in the past. And if you get me mad, it is not the time to talk to me. I need an hour or two to just go chill. It's the truth. She doesn't even know this, but a week ago she got me mad. Oh, I was mad. Mm. I felt it rumbling and wanting to erupt. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't you say nothing. Don't you say nothing. I'm doing something here. 
You ain't doing it fast enough. I'm telling you right now, I'm about to help you out, your assistant, Junior Holy Spirit here. But I kept my mouth shut. And you know, a couple hours later, it wasn't a big deal anymore with me. And when she got home that evening, it was gone. We had a great evening. She has no concept that went on. Except for now. <laughs> and the Lord has taught me through years of marriage that that sharp tongue from both of us causes more damage and divides us and pushes us farther apart than anything else. And I tell you that if you'll pray and trust God, our problem is, ladies, men, we want our spouses to be just like us. And it doesn't work that way. But we think we're going to make them just like us. And God never set it up there. They are different, unique, and men, we are to love them as Christ loved the church. He died for the church. That means you have an awesome responsibility to be Jesus in that home, which is an hourly battle for most men. Because in our insecurity, we're thinking, I think she's threatening my position. She's not yielding. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to focus on that so that there will be no peace in the home when God's saying, instead of saying something, why don't you pray and trust me to work in them and trust me to work in you? Come on now. That, that's really what goes on. The first point today is this. There, there are four things that Scripture says here in Ephesians 5 about the husband. The husband is to be called the head, Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Was Jesus walking around bossing everybody around? Was he walking around condemning was he what? No, Jesus was enjoying life and watching people grow as he did what his father said. Nobody's perfect, nor is your spouse going to be perfect, but you got to give God the opportunity to grow you. And the byproduct of you growing deeper in Christ, they'll grow deeper. It's the truth. It's the truth. We have to learn to move together, speak together, listen together. I mean, I understand that, ladies, you put out three more times when it comes to words a day than we do, most of you. I know some men that triple and quadruple that. They put it out. My mom was an awesome woman of God, is an awesome woman, but she was an awesome wife and an awesome mother in trying to deal with my father. And my dad was not saved, did not know Jesus, didn't want anything to do with Jesus, and because he didn't want anything to do with Jesus, my brother and I, what's the son going to do? He's going to follow the example of his dad. So my mom had us in church from the time I was two all the way up, and I remember being eight or nine. And when a mom or a wife is battling this battle alone, it's very difficult. And so what would happen would be service would start, and maybe my brother or I were giving her problems, and she immediately saw our father in us, although we weren't that, but sometimes a single mom, 
I say single mom, she's married, but she's single when it comes to spiritual direction. All of a sudden, in church gets super spiritual. And my mom all of a sudden would get hit with the Holy Ghost. Woo! Start saying all kinds of language, you know, and then the women around the church, you shut I mean, they're doing stuff and everything, and then she'd go, I need my boys at the altar. Help me, ladies. And they would grab us and take us down to the altar, and they are shooting shababas all over us. And I heard some of them say, he's got a demon. I looked at my brother and said, they must be talking about you. <laughs> they both got demons. We got to get them out. And they're, I kid you not, no exaggeration, 20, 25, 40 minutes, no air conditioning in that church on a hot summer July Sunday night working us over. Because that's all she knew to do. But let me tell you what that was. That was spiritual abuse. <laughs> no. Let me correct my mother. It did not work. I did not want to go to church. I did not want to be a part of church. I didn't want to be a part of that kind of church where you got laid out. And no matter how, what type of son you were, if hell was going out at home, my brother and I were going to face it. At 23 years old, when I went through a class called Family Systems, I learned what was going on. My mom was so unhappy with my dad that she projected my dad on my brother and I, and we were taught boys are bad, girls are good. My sister could scream, and my brother and I would get our mouths slapped, a belt on our bottom, and we would have done nothing. Now, I'm not here banging on my mom. What I'm trying to help you understand is this. If we're not careful, ladies, we'll take it out on those around us when we're living with an unsaved husband or a husband that is not measuring up to where we want them to be. I'm coming back to the men here, but I want you to understand some of the things that took place. There was turmoil. We would get dragged into the pastor. We shouldn't have been dragged into the pastor. I was drugged in church, drug everywhere. The pastor looked at me and he said, if you were my son and nobody was here, I would beat the living daylights out of you. Up in his office when nobody else was there. And he told another friend of mine the same thing. He had no concept of the hell that we were living in, in our home, and the spiritual battle that was going on. My mom did the best she knew to do because she took us to at least four or five churches every month. Whichever one had a service, we were there. That's how she survived. We were at church sometimes four and five nights a week, and that is the truth. And while all my friends were out playing and doing their things at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, we were stuck in church, and it is a miracle that I'm in the ministry today. It's a miracle that my brother's here. It's a miracle that both of my sisters have made a commitment. It is the prayers of a righteous mother, and God honored that, which will affect my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. And so I, what I'm saying here is I want you to be careful, dads and moms, not to be so hardline on your children. I'm not saying you don't stand for righteousness, but you've got to be careful. You will break their spirits. You will turn them off. Yes, the word of God is truth, and we preach the word and we believe that. 
But while everybody else was watching Disney on Sunday night, I was in a wagon being pulled to church. And I didn't want to go to church on Sunday because I wanted to watch Disney. And when my mom stood up and said, no, they're going with me, all four of them in that wagon, because he wouldn't let her get her license, and then he beat the daylights out of her, I said, Dad, 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 stop, stop, stop. I'll go to church. I'll go to church. I'll go to church. Now, when you're living in that kind of stuff, you can get a little jaded. So that's why, for me, I studied the gifts of the Spirit. I learned about speaking in tongues. But I have seen so much abuse of that that if it's not going to line up with the Bible, I'm not going to have it. I grew up in churches where everybody was singing on Sunday morning in tongues, and the Bible says if there's an unbeliever present, you shouldn't do that because it will run them right out the door. Now, if you're in a Bible study or a, a night where it's all believers, that's fine, but I'm just saying there's so much abuse and the tongues and then the interpretation was to point out somebody in the church or to point out things, and that's not what that's about when you study the gifts. The prophecy is from God to us, lines up with his word, tongues and interpretation. Tongues, when you get the interpretation, is to edify God, not bring a corrective message to somebody in the church. And you've got to learn these things. That's why there's chaos in many churches today. Now, in no way, anybody that knows me knows that I love my mom like no other. And when she goes to be with Jesus, there will be a huge void in my life because I would not be where I am today without the prayers and the encouragement of my godly mom. But she was just trying to survive the alcohol and the abuse and the torment. Ladies, please do not destroy their daddy before their eyes. We read it last week. It's the, you are to respect them. If there's been a divorce, please, please, please do not degrade that former spouse in front of those children, please. He will always be their dad, whether he's president or not. With all that we went through, the greatest thing my mom ever did is we prayed for my dad every night. She said, son, this is what the devil does when you're not serving him. This is what alcohol does when you get consumed with it. This is... And she always pointed to the source, which was the devil, so that there wouldn't be this bitterness and resentment toward my father. And she said, and someday God is going to save your dad. And there were many times my mom learned not to say anything. She just led by example. Can I say that again, ladies? Some of you want to correct him because you want him to be like you. Men, some of you want to correct her because you want her to be like you. Please just lead by example. That's what Jesus did. Gals, for the first three or four years of your life, all you did was practice playing house. Maybe you had Ken, maybe you had Barbie, or whatever, your dolls. And you know who was in charge as you were playing? You were. And then you got to the real house. And you found out that Ken doesn't do everything that he did when you were little. Ken speaks. Sometimes Ken never says a word. Sometimes Ken doesn't eat your food. He loves you, but he doesn't want to die. (laughs) 
Paul goes on to say, I would rather speak, rather you speak with understanding than to be a church filled with chaos when nobody understands what's going on. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Where does that start? That starts in your home. Yeah, but he just, she is so, love them. You are modeling before your children. As couples, you've got to stop trying to prove your point. Look at your, look at your neighbor and say, are you a, a point prover? Are you a point prover? I know you don't want to say that, but are you a point prover? You've got to take off the boxing gloves in marriage. Men, you've got to stop being so defensive. Because when you get defensive, you naturally invalidate their concern. You have to learn, men, to be a listener. They have wisdom. God gives them insight. There is a great thing when you become a team and you realize, I never thought of that. Wow. Yeah, we need to pause and not go that direction. Come up here, baby. You're the only one I call baby. Married couples, ladies, she, your wife, men, she is the radar. She detects things when things aren't right, when things aren't going the right direction. And the radar sends off a signal. Or sometimes it's just like. And then we as the head of the homes, as warriors, were to take action. That's the way God set this up. I know you don't want to think about this, but it says that when God created Eve, he took out of Adam to create her. In the beginning, Adam had it all. I know, that's weird to think about. But God took out and separated so that we could be a team. She detects, I go to war over it to figure out what's going on. We pray as a team. We encourage one another. I look at her and I say, oh, man, I just love your blue eyes. You have that smile. Oh, my gosh. She was doing some stuff last night, and I said, you look so cute over there. She goes, Please. And I didn't want anything, men. Well, anyway, okay. I'll let you get that. But when you realize you're a team, men, and, and there is so much that she has to offer, you are to love her as Christ. The children, family, friends should see how much you care about her. Even though you may disagree about things, it's okay because your love still is the most important thing. It's that glue that holds you together. You've got to understand that. So stop getting defensive. Don't prove your point. Don't try to show how wrong your spouse is. Oh, my gosh, you're asking for more problems. You're going to intensify, escalate the battle. Have a discussion, display the fruit of the Spirit, then be an example with actions on what you do. Well, then let's pray about this, let's pause this decision, and let's just wait and see what God wants to do. I remember about six years ago, I was going to wish Lloyd to look for a car. And... When we got to the lot, we're driving around. I saw this one car sitting over there. I said, oh, no, don't go there. I could sense it in my spirit. She was going to like that vehicle, and I didn't like that price. And I said, no, no, don't. 
So I'm taking her every place but that vehicle. And we're going and we're looking at everything. And she's like, hmm, I just don't see anything. Let's go over there. I said, no, no, let's not go over there. And the Holy Spirit said, take her over there. That's the car I have for her. I'm like, I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. And I go, okay, let's go over there. And she goes, oh, look at this one. I don't want to look at it. That's what I said. I don't want to look at it. Okay, I'm going to look at it. She's looking and everything. She goes, this is it. I know this is it. Let's go drive it. I just hit the pause button. Okay, let's drive it. We left with that vehicle because the Lord said, you need to get her that vehicle. It wasn't that we couldn't afford the vehicle. I just was tight. And I didn't think we needed the bells and the whistles. But she has enjoyed that vehicle. It's been a blessing. And God was teaching me this is not about you. I want to bless her. So bless her with me. And, and, and I tell you that, guys, because we battle that. Now, if we want a set of golf clubs or a new gun or, or you know, we want to go get this or whatever, that's no problem. How many blouses do you have, baby? You need another pair of shoes? That's the pot calling the kettle black here. <laughs> I, we have so many ameners today. It's amazing. But, but we get off on some of the dumbest, smallest things, and I don't know if it's our pride, our arrogance, when God's just like, just, just bless her. Bless her. And, and that's what we should be doing, demonstrating that love. Amen? Be an example with your actions. Stop trying to persuade with words. That goes to both sides. Holy, allow the Holy Spirit to bring about change. So we're the headmen. Second point is he's called us to love his wife, to love our wives as he does the church. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Do you understand, guys? That's a commandment. He's commanding that. She's just not a piece of meat. She's just not like, well, I am told you I loved you when I married you. If it changes, I'll let you know. No, we are to love her. And that means we die to our selfish will. Let me put a pause button here. Ladies, quit trying to, with your mouth, trying to make him you. Let him be who God's created him to be because that's stretching and building you. Model before him, and the same thing, men. Model before him. It's so important that we do that. We are to set, men, a continuous, we are to make this a priority. We are to set a continuous atmosphere within our homes, an atmosphere to where your wife feels encouraged. And that doesn't happen overnight, but it takes time, but... People should be able to walk into your home. Your children should be able to see, boy, my dad encourages my wife, his wife, my mom, our friend. Bring life in your words instead of death. Amen? Because death in your words will shut her down. And ladies, I know you speak more, most of you, than men. But be careful what you say. Why not just take his hand and say, let's just pray about it. And go and enjoy our children tonight or go and do something. And guys, your words are like daggers. When you say something, they do not forget it. On March the 19th, 2011, as we were walking out, away from those couples, you said, I did what? They do not forget. 
Be careful, men, of your words because they're like daggers. Guys can say something. I can get upset at somebody and say, you know what? But tomorrow we can shake hands and be friends, no biggie. Why do you think you see so many cat fights with ladies in offices and factories or whatever? Oh, my gosh, they do not let it go. And anybody working on it, you know what I'm talking about. Remember, they are your partners, not your opponents. You might want to write that down. You're my partner, not my opponent. Husbands, point number three, are to give sacrificially for their wives. They're to give sacrificially. Guys, it's hard to be the head when you have somebody that doesn't want to follow. Can I say that again? It's hard to be the head when you have somebody that doesn't want to follow. But if you've been displaying the fruit of the Spirit, and you've been praying and leading out in prayer and saying, man, God, give us some reconciliation. Give us some peace on a compromise. Some of you ladies, some of you, your type A personalities, and you would just rule the world right now. It's your way or the highway. You've got to back up from that. Yes, it's got you places, but it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your marriage. Marriage is give and take, give and take, give and take. And with men, we have to be the start. We have to start the giving, amen? Okay, six guys said amen. Even Jesus faced resistance in what he was trying to build. Remember, he got together. They were going to have the Lord's Supper, and then, you know, he heard them arguing. Who's going to be the greatest? Is it going to be you? Is it gonna? He even had a mom come with one of the disciples or two of the disciples. Can my son sit on your right and your left on the kingdom? I mean, there was already turmoil there. Jesus faced it, but he handled it in love. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Come on now. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, so that God in Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Come on, we, men, we are to be kind, tenderhearted, not to be harsh. Yeah, but you don't know how strong this woman is. Well, obviously, you have rooted your feet down. And planted. There are times when things are not worth the fight or the battle. You just yield and you go on. Let me say that again in case I get one amen. There are times when things are not worth the battle. You just yield and go on. Okay. I hear a guy saying, Owen, if I yielded all the time, I'd be dragged to every store. I'd spit and stop, stop, stop. You are right now putting yourself in greater danger. You're being more divisive. Why don't you pray and trust the Lord? Maybe God's doing something in you. Amen? I couldn't stand shopping. My wife loved it. Now I love to shop. She doesn't even want me going with her anymore. She's just like, you are not buying any shirts. Okay. I love you so much, baby. Some facts about women. They spend a year of their life deciding on what to wear. That's true. Ladies, an entire year is being wasted. Oh, I mean, it's being decided. They use three times the amount of words that a man does in a day. They cry 30 to 60 times a year. They are more emotional. As a matter of fact, it is proven that women have more nightmares 
than men do. It's not true in all cases. You know, I told you to get that Love Nudge app to help your marriage to start working on it. I encourage you to do that. If you don't want to do that, at least get the five love languages. Um, there's another book out here, The Marriage You've Always Wanted by Gary Chapman. Great book. But just some devotions I want to show up on the screen. Reed, you're going to have to take that over if you haven't done that. So, um, But uh, anyway, the one-year love language devotional by Gary Chapman. Um, just a great book for couples. Moments Together by Dennis Rainey Shaloy, and I have used this over and over again in our own marriage. Just a one-page devotional with some questions to talk about and pray. It makes a difference. This is one of the best things we ever did was to do that. What's the next one? Draw Close, a devotional for couples. His needs, her needs, another great devotional. Three hundred and sixty-five devotionals for couples, Mr. and Mrs. And I can't wait to read this one. It's called a "Stay Married: A Couple's Devotional," a thirty-minute weekly devotions to grow your faith and joy to have that forever after marriage. So I, I want to do that. You can come and look at these after the service, but just just important. Also, I have some steps for conflict resolution. We do the prepare and rich when we do counseling at the church, biblical counseling and premarital counseling, and I think they have one of the greatest conflict resolutions. Um, and so there should be some questions, guys, that should be up there posted. I think there's seven of them uh, about setting a time and a place for your marriage to take place when you're going to discuss something. Um, come up with five or six solutions, each one of you, and then look at those solutions, talk about it. We can try this. If they don't work, come back and do that. Um, if they can't find it, they may not get it up there today, but I'll post it next week. But anyway, just a way to overcome conflict is to sit down to pray and to communicate. It's very important that you do that. Um, then the last point is this, cleave to his wife. You have to men learn to leave the family. A son's a son till he takes a wife, a daughter's a daughter for life. There's a lot of truth in that. She's going to want to stay close to her family. She's going to want to be there. And, um, and that's important that you realize that. But I look at what it says in 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since we are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. First Peter 3, 7 is saying, if you don't honor her as a weaker vessel, you say, well, what do you mean weaker? Listen, men are much stronger physically than women. That's why they are the protectors. But if you don't honor her, Scripture says God's not going to answer your prayers. Man, that should just hit you hard. Do your best, men, to bring enrichment and joy. I remember when Coach McCartney of Colorado was asked after he won the national championship a few years later how it was. He said, well, I went home, and God spoke to me as a believer, and he said, look at your wife. Men, look at your wife this morning. Just look at her. And he said to him, the Holy Spirit said to Coach McCartney, do you see the joy on her face? Do you see the love that she had for you on that wedding day? It, do you see that joy and that smile there? And he couldn't see it. Because he had lived football. He had got his dream. He had become a national coach of a championship university, but he lost his wife in the process because he spent many nights at the university sleeping, studying film, doing all this, 
And God said, it is time for you to be the husband. Go back and help restore the joy that she once had in your marriage. So important that we don't live our lives and we learn to leave. We are more than biological DNA. We share with our spouse physical, emotional, and the spiritual like nobody else. Stand with me this morning. When your marriage is constantly living in hurt, it diminishes intimacy. All of a sudden, you don't have a team member or a spouse. You just have a roommate, and you're not vulnerable to each other anymore. And that's not what God has for you. There must be ownership of problems, ownership of decisions, and forgiveness asked for and given. Or walls will build up, and you'll have dissatisfaction. You know, Jesus can restore any marriage at any time where it's at, but it starts with us. So with your heads bowed this morning, men, you're called to be the head. You're to love her as Christ loved the church. You're to give sacrificially for her. You're to cleave to her. She should be your best friend, the one that you share your most intimate secrets with. She is the one that has your heart alone. And guys, let me take it one step further. As the head of the home, she is your number one disciple. How you doing? Someday you're going to stand before the Lord. He's going to say, I gave you a jewel in Shaloy, Owen. Did you polish her? Did you caress her? Did you keep her safe? Were you able to provide for her? I'm going to be held accountable. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So with your heads bowed, relationships that thrive offer one another forgiveness. Your spouse is not perfect. Neither, neither are you when you look at yourself. You're not perfect. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a disappointment. There will be battles, but the joys of having a best friend, a trustworthy partner, a friend that has your back, no matter how old you get, far outweighs what Christ wants and has for you. It far outweighs what the world offers. Jesus has set the example by loving the church. Men, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So with your heads bowed, I'm just going to ask all the men to pray with me today in closing. Just pray out loud. Amen. Lord Jesus, as the head of the home, as you love the church, my wife, those that are single, my future wife, help me to love her as you did the church, Jesus. Help me to give of my time, my talent, my treasure, sacrificially, so that I may show my children and those around me your love, Jesus, as I love her. Help me not to cleave to my family, but to my wife. Help me not to cleave to my job, 
but to my wife. As we walk together, give us wisdom, forgiveness, love, and the fruit of the Spirit. Help me to be the man you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. And then next week, we're going to talk about children. Get your teenagers and children here. I'm going to give you some apps that are going to help you with your children and things that they can watch. It'll be really good. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. If you'd like to support the ministry at Church Alive, there are three easy ways for you to give. You can give at www.churchalivewc.org. Click the giving button in the top of the menu. Then you will scroll to the giving page. And there you will choose a designation. Then type in the amount you'd like to give. You can choose to give to another fund by clicking the add a donation button. Leave a comment or make your gift reoccurring by clicking in the box. Then you will click whether you want to give by a card or your bank account. Enter your information and check the amount you want to give, then click the submit button. You can also give through the Church Alive app that can be found in your phone's app store. Once you've downloaded the app, click on the Church Alive app, click the giving button, and then click continue on the next page. You'll be taken to the app's giving page. From there, follow the instructions for giving online. If you'd like to send a check, the address is Church Alive Worship Center at 2401 South 100 West, Lafayette, Indiana, 47909. We want to thank you for being part of the Church Alive family, and we pray that God will bless you.